When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I hope that you have been well since the last time that we hit the airwaves. It's time to get back to work as it's a big week with the Bears traveling to Lambeau to take on the 10-3 Packers on Sunday. That's right, no more Thursday football. It's been three months since we last saw Green Bay in that week one loss, so I thought it would be a great time to catch up on what's been going on with our bitter rival to the north. And to kick off our week 15 preview, I sat down with Tom Grassley of PatCast who caught us up on everything Packers. I know, pretty riveting, right? Now, before Tom hops on, I do want to let you know that time is running out to give yourself a chance to join Nick and I at that Bears-Chiefs game next week. We are selecting the winner this Thursday, that is December 12th, 12-12. Make sure to head on over to chicagoaudible.com raffle to enter. And remember, it's only $5 per entry, and this is a $300 plus Bears ticket. All right, it's time. Let's go ahead and revisit the Green Bay Packers. All right, Tom, I want to thank you for joining me today. We're now 15 weeks into this season. Your Packers are sitting atop of the division at 10-3, and three, and I want you to be honest. Is that what you're expecting heading into the year, or has this Packers team exceeded your early expectations? Absolutely not. Yeah, no, it completely blew away my expectations because, you know, considering all the changes that you've had on this team where you have a year, at least for as long as I've been alive, in which we are making – multiple significant moves in the free agency. So there's no doubt or no guarantee that that's going to work out. You have a new offensive coordinator in Nathaniel Hackett. You have Mike Pettin coming in for his second year. And then of course you have brand new head coach, Matt LaFleur after the, uh, the rapid firing of uh, Mike McCarthy after the Cardinals game last year. And, you know, listen, it was the off season. It was the dead period. And there were, many articles that came out talking about the contentious relationship between McCarthy and Rogers and how that was going to translate to Rogers and the floor, considering they're very close in age. This is his first head coach gig. And while I tried to block out as much of the noise as possible, I'd be lying if I didn't say there was a little bit, I was like, Oh no, this could be, this could go really, really poorly, very, very quickly. 
I want to talk about your uh, free agent pickups to kind of kick things off here. I mean, obviously, Zay Darius Smith, he's a problem for any opponent. Uh, and then also, yeah, Preston Smith and good old Adrian Amos. Uh, I want to know, how mm-hmm. are you, what's your impressions of these uh, three big free agent signings? Are you uh, gung-ho now that we're, like I said, three-quarters of the way through it? Yeah, so I, I, there's one thing that I think the entire league can thank us for, and that's for taking Zadarius Smith away from the Ravens, because if he stayed on that team, I can't imagine how good that he would have been, the Ravens defense would have been on top of how good they already are. So, you know, you're welcome, NFL. But taking a look bit by bit, and obviously we also signed Billy Turner, who, you know, had a little uh, ebbs and flows this season, but it seemed to be a good addition to that offensive line and providing some major depth, especially, you know, knock on wood, we've actually been relatively healthy on there. But starting with, you know, your, your old familiar friend, Adrian Amos, I was actually thrilled um, when we signed him. And the reason being is because we have had such a lack of consistency at the safety position. And uh, while obviously, you know, looking at his stats, and this was a big comparison to like, ha Clinton Dix, like, you know, Amos was never the guy who was going to be having like a ton of picks or more than two, you know, with Chicago. He's never going to make those like big flashy plays, but he's always there. He's always surrounding the ball. And that consistency is something that we have lacked tremendously this year and I, or I'm sorry, last year and from previous years. And the fact that Amos is back there, he's constantly making tackles. Hell, he made his first sack uh, last week against the, the Redskins, you know, and I'm pretty sure he had his only interception actually against the, uh, the bears in week one. But I, I think just the way that he's playing and adding that level of like, I don't want to say calm, but like, okay, that stability. Like we, we know that that backfield is going to be okay with him there has been incredible for this team. And obviously with the addition of Darnell Savage, he's been playing really great, you know, getting him in the first round this year. And we're starting to, to build the pieces of that secondary because we have spent a ton of draft capital, whether it's on cornerback or safety over the years. And a lot of them, quite frankly, just like haven't panned out. You also have Josh Jackson, who's on the team who was a former second round pick and really hasn't been doing a whole lot, played a little bit more against the Redskins, but you know, that, that really hasn't uh, worked out too well. Then obviously you have guys like Demarius Randall or Quentin Rollins and both of those guys are no longer on the team. So like we, we definitely had a few swings and misses with the draft. And so while I'm very happy we got Savage within the draft, I'm also really happy that we got a guy like Amos to kind of come in there and ensure up that, uh, that backfield a little bit more. So Thank you for that, Will. I greatly appreciate you giving him to us. Hey, no problem. It was all me. Uh, I was the one that made the executive decision to not just allow him to test for agency, but I called his agent and let him know that he had to sign in Green Bay. So you're very welcome. Absolutely. And like I said, you know, I I really appreciate you doing that for us. Um, And that's why you guys got HaHa Clinton Dix. I mean, again, he was also in Washington before that, but don't question it. And then you're talking about Zadarius Smith and, and Preston Smith. These guys, I think, have exceeded all expectations. The fact that we gave Zadarius Smith a crap ton of money, and we played Preston Smith pretty damn well, too. And before he even took the field, uh, you had Green Bay Packers fans going, oh, my God, we overpaid for this guy. It's ridiculous, blah, 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 blah. And it was obvious of what we were paying for was that potential. And at least in these first 15 weeks, it has beyond paid off. Preston Smith having 11 and a half sacks, you have Zadarius Smith having 12 sacks. They're always constantly pressuring the quarterback, which they, they showed this stat last year, that Zadarius and Preston Smith combined, even though they weren't on the same team, had more pressures than the entirety of the Packers' defense last year. 
And so they have been complete and total game changers on that side of the ball. And so while we do have some holes, especially like inside linebacker, middle linebacker, and then obviously in the secondary a bit, Darius Smith and Preston Smith have definitely masked that pretty well, considering that we actually have a decent pass rush. So much so, because we haven't expected one in quite some time, that when they are not constantly in the backfield or they're not having multiple sacks per game, it's almost just like, wait, what's going on back there? Because they are constantly, constantly making the quarterback's lives miserable. So while it doesn't always work in free agency, and we've seen it not work for many other teams, including the Green Bay Packers, um, so far, this has been an absolute home run by Brian Gutekunst. And I think that these have been signings that have completely and totally changed the dynamic of this team, so much so that you were looking at it, especially in the beginning of the season, as a more defensive-oriented team. Aaron Rodgers obviously coming out after the first game saying, you know, we have a defense. Now, the consistency hasn't always been there, you know, but I think it, it's definitely helped tremendously with this team, and it's definitely won us some games. I want to know your impressions of uh, first-year head coach Matt LaFleur. Obviously, uh, if I would have asked you this a few months ago, you may not have had too solid of an answer. But now that you've been able to see him you know, week in and week out and how he's handling and conducting himself and kind of leading this team, do you think he can be a long-term answer for your next head coach? Yeah, so when he came in, um, there was there were some concerns. Obviously, he hadn't been a head coach before. Um, you know, he worked with the Rams, and we were <laughs> – Everyone who like you know had been anywhere near Sean McVay, they were getting snatched up by the NFL. Um, but he obviously went to Tennessee because he didn't stay with the Rams because he wanted to to actually be able to call plays. And you know he went to Tennessee where he had Derrick Henry who was seeing really good gains. Um, but obviously the Titans weren't that great last year. Um, but then he comes to Green Bay and and I was hesitant, a, a bit hesitant. I knew that there was going to be an emphasis on the run game because that's kind of been the the signature of where he's gone. Uh, that they usually have a really strong run game, whether it was with Todd Gurley or whether it was with Derrick Henry. Um, and so him coming in, I, I was looking at it and was like, okay, this has potential to to work out really well. Or what I think the thoughts of the majority of Packers fans were, was that it's, there's going to be a lot of learning curves, right? Because you're, you're going in and it's not like, you know, you, you get to start fresh. Like you have Aaron Rodgers there who isn't going anywhere because he's a staple of the team who has been doing things a certain way for a very long time under Mike McCarthy, who gave him a ton of freedom, sometimes way too much freedom, forcing him literally to do everything at times. And, you know, there, we thought that there was going to be those, those, that clash, those arguments, what have you, and trying to implement a completely new system uh, was going to be difficult, especially for a veteran like Aaron Rodgers uh, and which doing a, playing a certain way for so long. But I, I've been absolutely thrilled. There's been some times where I question his play calling, the lack of giving it to Aaron Jones, because as we've talked about, you know, when you give Aaron Jones the ball, we usually win the game. The guy has been the Swiss army knife of this team. The guy has a dozen touchdowns. He's been absolutely incredible this year. And there's times where he barely sees the ball. And it's kind of like a head scratcher of like, wait, what are you, what are you doing? Especially when you saw guys like Devontae Adams go out for nearly a month and the fact that we were able to win games by spreading the ball around, now Devontae has come back and it's kind of been, we're trying to find like a rhythm on, on offense and, and I still think we're working with that. And I think that what the most surprising thing is, is that while I was expecting there to be a massive learning curve and ebbs and flows, we've been able to win games, even if we're still trying to figure out one, what our identity is, or two, how we're going to try and grow and succeed as this cohesive unit. 
Um, and so I've been really, really happy with Matt LaFleur. I think that every single person in that locker room who has given comments to the press has said, including Aaron Rodgers, many, many times that he brings a new energy. He has changed the culture in Green Bay. And I think for the better, I mean, it, it was funny because David Bakhtiari like mentioned that like when Matt LaFleur first got up and like was doing public speaking in front of the team, like he was super nervous and his voice was shaky. You know, it's the guy's first time. And, you know, he's become more and more confident and you see the cameras in the locker room and everyone's celebrating together and the dancing and things like that. This looks like a youthful team. And, and, it, and it looks like the team is having fun, which, you know, to me, you know, in the, these past two seasons have not been, been fun at all, Will. <laughs> They've been bad for Green Bay Packers fans. And I know all the Bears fans out there have the, the world's smallest violin out right now. Like, oh, man, you had two bad seasons. Oh, that's so sad. But I think Matt LaFleur definitely is a, a long-term answer and solution in Green Bay. And, you know, he's also a good-looking dude. So, so that also helps in that department, too. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Matt LaFleur is a sexy-ass man. He definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> now, 10-3, and three, that's a really strong record, obviously, atop of the division. Uh, I've just heard some grumblings around that, you know, even though you're 10-3, and three, uh, with a lot of these, quote, ugly wins, perhaps you're not as good as the record indicates. I know you and I on your podcast already had a pretty big discussion about how you know challenging week in, week out some of these games can be. So do you think that uh, that notion is a little, uh, you know, wrong? <laughs> that's, that's not elegant, but I'm going to yeah. say it. Yeah, like overblown. Yeah, I think when you look at it, so as we've spoken about, I, I feel like it's one of those things that, as, as Packer fans, as football fans, we want to see our team do really, really well every single week, right? And we know that they're going to come up against some teams that are like, hey, we, this team is really good, right? So because of that, you know, this might be a really, really close game. And we expect that, right? We're like, hey, maybe it's going to be a shootout. Like you have like the Saints 49ers. They knew that they were both really good teams. And, and you kind of like what you expected in the Saints 49ers game is what you got, right? You, you saw two colossally good teams sitting on top of the NFC go toe to toe for, you know, 60 minutes. And that's what, that's what people got. And then when you have like the Packers facing off against the giants and the giants are, you know, in, in the game, the Packers never give up the lead, but they're in the game for three quarters until we pull in the fourth quarter, people scratch their heads and go, wait a minute. The giants are a bad football team. You're not just supposed to beat them you're supposed to beat them by multiple scores. That's what's supposed to happen. You look at the Redskins game and you go, that's a bad football team. You're supposed to beat them by multiple scores, not just five points. And I feel like it's a mix of, there is some validity to that, that the teams that they are playing are obviously are not doing well, whether it's on offense, defense, or all of them on either side of the ball. But I think it's also a bigger note that, it's incredibly difficult to be consistent from week to week. It's incredibly difficult to get a win. Look at the Bengals. They have won. Look at the Browns from a couple of years ago. They didn't have any. It's very difficult to win in the NFL. The Eagles, I, I keep bringing them up. I'm sure they expected to beat the Dolphins. I'm, I'm sure that the Texans expected to beat the Broncos, and they lost. The Seahawks expected to beat the Rams, and they lost. I would rather have an ugly win than an ugly loss. And, and that's against any team. And so Aaron Rodgers came out after that game and said, I'll take it. You know, we will ugly win all the way. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring 
then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Over to the Super Bowl if necessary. And, and that's kind of hard to argue with because at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter how you get to the playoffs. It doesn't matter you know, how ugly or how close some of those wins are because they're not necessarily indicative of your performance throughout the playoffs. You could be blowing teams out left and right to the 2011 season when we were 15 and one and we lost to the Giants in the divisional round. We were one and done and that was it. And so there's no guarantee that you could be incredible during the regular season and you could be out in the first round. And so my mentality for this season has been as successful as we are, we just need to get to the dance. We just need to get to the playoffs. And then from there, it's a whole new ball game. And everything you did in the regular season no longer matters because now the slate is completely wiped clean. Absolutely. Again, at the end of the day, when we're looking back at the season, we're just going to see wins and losses. We're not going to remember if so-and-so threw, you know, multiple touchdowns where you only won by three or seven points to a team that you should have potentially blown out. So yeah, I'm in a complete agreement there with you, but getting into more maybe specifics about this team and looking at this week, I want to get your take on Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams Uh, combined. They have nearly 1800 total yards and 21 touchdowns. Uh, Can you explain what's been behind the success of these two? Obviously it seems like you're wanting uh, more at least of Aaron Jones getting that football. So uh, what's this behind the success and uh, what challenges do you think they can present Chicago this week? Yeah. So I think that, you know, fans have been waiting for Aaron Jones to explode for quite some time. Now in the past few seasons, he's been riddled with injuries. Um, obviously under Mike McCarthy, you know, he wasn't utilized as much as you know, we thought that he should have been, but this season has been obviously completely different. We've been utilizing him a whole lot more, and I think at times what's frustrating is I love Jamal Williams. I love that man so much. It, it hurts because he's just the, the enthusiasm, the, the joy that he brings to that locker room. I know that sounds like super duper cheesy, but like his interviews are like hilarious. Like he's always dancing. Like he's doing so much for the community and he's a damn good player too. And I think what makes them both really good is they provide like that perfect one, two punch. So when, you know, one of them is struggling, the other one is usually able to pick it up and do well. So for example, like you look at um, the Lions game, which was in uh, October. So like Aaron Jones had 11 carries and only got 47 yards. And you're like, all right, well, that's obviously pretty low. And then he basically split carries with Williams, who had 104 yards on 14 carries. And I think what makes that one-two punch so dynamic and so dangerous is, again, it doesn't matter which one it is because one of them can beat you. I think what it gets frustrating is that like over, you know, periods of time, especially when Devontae Adams was out, you had Aaron Jones like putting up these like ridiculous numbers. You know, they're putting up three, four touchdown kind of games. And then there's games and stretches where he only gets the ball eight times or he only gets it maybe like 10 times and only. So, for example, against the Giants, he, you know, only was getting 11 carries and only rushed for 18 yards. You know, it's that kind of stuff that Aaron Jones, I believe, is the better player. He is the more of the premier back. And he's very, very dangerous in the, the passing game. And I think it's just frustrating for Packers fans at times to go, okay, like Aaron Jones has proven throughout this season that he should be like one of the features 
of this offense, not to get rid of the one-two punch and not to get rid of Jamal Williams at all, but to utilize Aaron Jones even more than they've already done because it's proven to be successful. And so I think the threat that they pose to the Bears is in that passing game because Aaron Jones has proven that he could be a damn good receiver and be a passing threat. And so, you know, he has 45 receptions already on the year and he's doing pretty damn well in that department. And he's even shown that he could be uh, a long ball kind of threat guy too. And so I think that that Swiss army knife or that kind of like the fluidity that he has uh, can really, really wreak havoc on defenses because whether it's his blocking, whether it's uh, his ability to run out and catch a pass or whether it's his ability just to like run down your throat, you know, he's one of those guys who can kind of just do it all. Yeah, that definitely seems to be the case. And while I'm looking at Green Bay's offense, two things stand out. Uh, On third down, you're ranked 20th in the NFL, so you're struggling to move the sticks once you're in third down. But once you guys Mm -hmm. find your way inside the 20, you're almost impossible to stop. Third best red zone efficiency of any offense in terms of scoring touchdowns once inside the 20. And from my perspective, it seems like it's due to the fact that you're getting everybody involved. Aaron Jones, all 12 rushing touchdowns in the red zone. Jamal Williams has five receiving touchdowns in the red zone. Jimmy Graham has five red zone catches, four of which are touchdowns. I can go on and on and on, but that's why I have you on. What's behind the success in the red zone? I'm not worried too much about the third down. You're going to get your scoring chances this week, but once you're in a red zone, what makes this offense so dangerous? And it's probably going to go back to number 12. I have a hunch. <laughs> well, you know, and here's the thing though, like there are people, so like obviously the Redskins game, you know, people tore apart Aaron Rodgers for this week and said that, you know, this is one of the worst games that he has played and he hasn't looked good. And, and this started coming out last year, too. And there were stats that came out and so articles that were written about Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, one of the things that drives me absolutely insane, and, and I'm sure that you can relate to this, is that they equivalent wins and losses as a stat for QBs, which, in my opinion, is one of the most misleading possible stats that you can have, right? Like, it, it, QBs are not necessarily responsible for wins and losses because if that was the case... Drew Brees threw almost 350 yards and five touchdowns and completed over 72% of his passes this past week, and they still lost the game. So just get that out of the way. But with Aaron Rodgers, you know, he's still, he's still the guy who's going to make this offense run. Um, and when they get down to the red zone, we haven't really had that much success when it comes to the long ball. That's kind of been taken out of our repertoire a little bit. And a lot of that has to do with our receivers or lack thereof. Um, Alan Lazard has come up a little bit. Uh, guy going from undrafted to not making the team, you know, staying on the practice squad and then hopping on the team and, and making a pretty significant impact. We have guys like MVS uh, and obviously EQ who got hurt, but MVS really not stepping up. Jerome Allison has really struggled this year. And I think that, you know, once we find our way into the red zone, which has been hard enough, but once we find our way into the red zone, we do have all of those threats. You're listing off a bunch of different players who have, um, touchdown receptions or, or rushing it in. And I think it's just the, the biggest problem for us is actually just getting inside the 20. And especially when you start getting to third down, because you see it like happen almost on a weekly basis where we stall out and we're not able to get anything going because you know, we find ourselves sometimes through questionable play, play calling. We find ourselves in a third and long situation or a third and medium. And Rogers doesn't have, that that receiver to throw to because people are doubling up on Devonte Adams because we don't have a Jordy Nelson and a Randall Cobb. We don't have that one, two uh, for receivers. 
So because of that, you know, we, we wind up struggling. But once we get in the red zone, then it seems like all our problems are immediately solved. And while I do think Aaron Rodgers is a major part of that, I, I think it's just more of, you know, there's less of a field to go. And so, you know, there's more opportunities for people to potentially, you know, do some, do some sneaky things, uh, whether it's, you know, with the run game and, and Aaron Jones is running it down your throat, or it's just, you know, kind of just like sending a whole bunch of guys out like Jimmy Graham going up and buying or, and jumping up for it, you know, cause he played basketball. I don't know if anyone's ever talked about that ever. Um, but I, yeah, ever, but, but I think there's just there, there's, it seems like there's a lot of red zone weapons, you know, there's a lot of big guys that they can hit, but when it comes to like open field, it seems to be a little bit more difficult, which it seems like it should be the opposite. Like, you know, there's right. less of a field to work with when you're in the red zone. Like, why are you able to find these people? But, you know, looking at the stats and watching every single one of these games, like that's, that's where we're selling. It's just the fact that it, it's been a little bit difficult to actually get there. Right. And Tom, that's why I have you on because, you know, you can sit there and you can watch 15 Packers games. I don't really feel like doing that year in and year out. So, yeah. Yeah, that's why you're on. And let's flip over to your defense and just look at the big picture. You talked about a few of these playmakers that you brought in and they're exceeding your expectations. And you have a lot of really good individuals that are having some really decent seasons. But as a whole, the defensive unit ranks 22nd in yards allowed. They're uh, 25th uh, in terms of run defense. They're 27th allowing over like 47 yards per rush, and you've allowed a ton of big plays, uh, 16 plays that went for over 40, which is the second most in the NFL, and uh, 53 plays of 20 or more yards, which is the 11th most in the NFL. So you have a lot of good players that are putting together some decent seasons, but collectively there still seems to be uh, something amiss. So what's some of the uh, vulnerabilities of this Packers defense? No, that's a great question. And, and I feel like when it comes to the Packers, you know, this is this is actually a little bit reminiscent of that 2010 defense in which we did allow a lot of yards we, we on, on the ground and, and in the air. But what we had was those those turnovers that made the difference. And, and that was incredibly helpful. And so while, you know, we are struggling massively in some of these areas, you know, I think ultimately the most important stat is the fact that I believe we're 13th in points per game allowed. Correct. Um, and, and so I think it's looking at that is it's that bend don't break mentality, but you're putting on top of that. You do have a decent pass rush at this point. You are getting those turnovers. And, and I think that that's the difference maker because in years past, we are giving up all those yards. We are both on the ground and the air, and we're also giving up points, right? So like we, there are very few times I've done videos and videos about this, but like Aaron Rodgers in his decade plus career has only had like a, a top 10 10 defense, like maybe a handful of times. And I don't even think it's, it's a full handful. And you, you look at that and it's like, okay, I, I've been saying this for years that the only thing that the Packers need is a competent defense. That's where my bar is at right now. And so like, yeah, the fact that they are struggling in all those categories, it's not great, right? They need to clean all that stuff up because it allows teams to stay, stay in and it allows teams to move the ball. And, in the, and the better teams will be able to take advantage of those opportunities. However, you know, at the end of the day, if they're keeping the, the points per game to a point where, hey, we're allowing teams to score 20 points and our offense is able to score 21, then 
you know, most of the time we're going to win that game. But, you know, you look at a 49ers game or you look at the Chargers game where we are just completely outmatched in every single way, then that's when that starts to become a little bit more problematic. But, you know, you, you look at the, those are kind of been like the outliers of the season. And some may say like, it's because of a, a pretty generous schedule or some people might say like, you know, you haven't gone against the best teams in the past few weeks and that's all true. But I think that we're looking at it as a whole, the only stat at the end of the day that matters is the amount of points that you're giving up. So you can let them go all the way down to the end zone like the Panthers did. And then McCaffrey tries to run it in a bunch of times and they don't get it. And we make a goal line stand and we win the game. So at the end of the day, yeah, that's a problem. We need to clean that stuff up. I don't know if we're going to be able to, you know, with three weeks left in the regular season, most likely not. But if we're able to keep teams, you know, within striking different, different, oh God, distance, and we're able to have our offense coming along a little bit, then at the end of the day, it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. Really good point. It's almost like the inverse right here in Chicago where we need just an offense to be just good enough to kind of help out this defense. It seems like it's the inverse between Green Bay and Chicago right now. But speaking of uh, our Bears, I wanted your perspective. What do you perceive this week uh, being the Bears' biggest strength and perhaps uh, a weakness that you can exploit? Yeah, so I think the biggest strength that you guys bring is the the running game, right? It's it's David Montgomery. David Montgomery is a damn good running back. I mean, I, I saw this in the preseason and was like, okay, this is going to be problematic. Um, and then obviously the biggest thing is what we've already talked about is the return of Akeem Hicks. If he returns, that's going to give our offensive line fit. Now, our offensive line, for the most part, has been really, really good this year. And one of the big reasons why is because we're actually healthy for the first time in like ever because we're usually literally just like taking guys off the street and throwing them out in that offensive line because of all the injuries that we usually have. And so the fact that these guys have remained healthy and good God, the drafting of Elton Jenkins has been phenomenal. The second rounder, the guy is like given up like single digit uh, pressures. Like he, the guy really is just truly incredible uh, on that O line. But I think, uh, you know, your pass rush is obviously going to be problematic with the return of Akeem Hicks. And I think the running game, you guys can take advantage of that because our run defense isn't really that good. Um, and then when on um, the inverse, you know, looking at for, from our perspective, you know, the weaknesses that you guys have in offensive line, I think guys like Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith are going to be able to take advantage of that. And so I think the game is going to, what it's going to come down to is, is forcing Trubisky to be the one to go and win it for you guys. And then if you put, you know, Trubisky against Rodgers, obviously they're going against different defenses. I like the matchup that that presents. You know, it's just a matter of can our receivers get open um, and will Aaron Rodgers have enough time to make, you know, magic happen like he usually does. Uh, I think that's what's really going to be what decides it. Um, but I think Trubisky forcing him to be the, the quarterback, I think that's our best shot at uh, taking away the win. Now, Tom, I do want to ask, you know, you are – the expert, and I'm going to use that term a little loosely with you, but uh, on this Packers team, is there anything else that is coming to mind, either offense, defense, special teams, uh, injury reports that you want to make sure that Bears fans know heading into this game, like some valuable information? <laughs> yes. So it's funny that you say, um, <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned special teams. So um, Tyler Irvin was the guy that we just <laughs> picked up from the Jaguars. And he was like the first time that we actually had like positive returns uh, for this year in the punt return game in special teams, because before the Washington game, we came in 
with a whopping total of negative eight punt return yards for the season. Negative eight. Yeah, we were crushing it back there. Uh, so, because again, Randall Cobb used to be our return guy. Uh, we we messed around and had uh, Shepard back there for a little bit, and then he's no longer on the team. And so we, we we've been kind of like flip flopping back there. We went and picked up Traymond Smith from the Chiefs. He didn't work out, and so now we bring in Tyler Irvin. And like I can't tell you, so he returned four punts for like right around fifty ish yards. I think it was like fifty fifty one yards, and. I was sitting here streaming the game and going nuts. And like Packers fans were like, yes, oh my God, this is amazing. Like he's only getting, you know, like 10, 12. I think he got up to almost like 20 yards in a return. And like, I, this is, I was so excited because we have been so beyond terrible in, on special teams. And because of that, we've been starting back, you know, on our own goal line within the 20 constantly. And so forcing Aaron Rodgers and that offense to go the entire length of the field and so if you go three and out, now the defense has to defend a short field. It's problematic. They're barely on the sideline, and it's just a recipe for disaster. So what I'm hoping to see is some more of Tyler Irvin. Even if it's only 15 yards that he's returning the, the punt, that's, that's my bar right there. So it's really, really easy to surpass. So I'm really, really happy about that. Um, and then on the offense, it's just a matter of I'm hoping to see a little bit more out of Alan Lazard because he has shown those flashes that he could potentially be our number two guy going from completely undrafted and not being on the team to, to making a, a pretty big impact. And he's had a pretty good year thus far, only has two touchdowns and 349 yards, but he's been coming on a little bit more as of late. Um, and I'm hoping to see him really emerge as a, as a strong number two because he's been targeted a bunch in the past few games. Uh, and then when it comes to the defense, I think Blake Martinez is going to have his hands full you know, playing inside linebacker and, and attempting to, you know, stuff that run game. And he's, he is the guy he's going to get paid in this off season. I don't know if it's going to be by the green Bay Packers, but he's going to get paid somewhere because he's a stat machine with tackles. He's usually leading the team in tackles, but he is abysmal in coverage. Um, and I think it's just a matter of if we are able to stop David Montgomery, like I said, then we'll be able to uh, exploit the bears. All right. Well, I have one more question for you. It's a two-parter. It's how I end every Meet the Opponent episode. And the first part of this question for you, Tom, is why will the Packers win? All right. Well, oh, that's a tough question. But the Green Bay Packers will win. I think it's going to actually start not on the offensive side of the ball. I think it's going to start on the defense. I think Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith has, have had one of the best uh, seasons that you could possibly ask for in a pass rush duo. And I think that they are going to make Trubisky's life absolutely miserable. Uh, on Sunday. And so I think it's going to start there. And then I think it's going to involve getting Aaron Jones going, which is going to be problematic, you know, considering if you have Oxygen Hicks back and then obviously going against Khalil Mack. Um, but if we're able to really get Aaron Jones involved and not necessarily just the run game, but also in the passing game as well, I, I think that's going to open up some more lanes uh, for our other receivers, even, even Devontae Adams, uh, in order for us to score points. But I can see this being a low scoring game. But I think if we're, we make Trubisky's life miserable enough, we'll, we'll win that battle. All right, and of course, the flip side of this question is going to be, what's going to take for the Packers to be on the wrong side of the final score and lose the game? They don't show up. <laughs> um, wow. No, so wow. It, 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 I kid. I kid. Okay. You know, they get sick. Um, so with, with the Bears, um, I think one of the things that always makes them a threat uh, is is their pass rush. It's, it's funny. Like I think they're both going to be contingent um, on the pass rush, but 
you know, that defensive line is, is a scary, scary bunch. And that secondary is nothing to scoff at either. I mean, Todd Clinton picks a little bit, but like Eddie Jackson is a phenomenal player. Um, and I, and I think that your defense definitely can put the hurt. And if we get out of rhythm and if we, Matt LaFleur has shown that at times he will completely and totally abandon, uh, his game plan, like within the first quarter is if something's not going right, like Aaron Jones is not rushing well, they're like, okay, well, now we're going to have to throw the ball all the time. And the Packers can become very one dimensional. So I think if you're able to get Rogers and the floor out of their rhythm and get them away from their game plan early on in the game, I think that that's your best chance to come away with the win because then it's going to turn into, you know, maybe McCarthy esque style football, because that's what Rogers is going to revert back to. All right, Tom of PatCast. Uh, real quickly before I let you go, do you want to let people know where to find you and your show? Absolutely. So, yeah, you can just look up Tom Grossi, G-R-O-S-S-I, on the YouTubes and PatCast is all over all the, the podcast platforms everywhere, and it's just at Tom Grossi Comedy at basically every social media you can possibly dream of. Wow. I, I don't usually dream of social media, but I guess that makes you a little <laughs> unique. I try a little bit, but I want to thank you for having me on, Will. Really, really appreciate it. I appreciate the time that uh, you made for me as well today. Uh, Until next time, all right, man? Absolutely, man. Take care. Well, that'll do it, Bears fans. I hope that you enjoyed Tom's insight on the Packers. We'll be back on Thursday night to continue preparations for Sunday's game. And don't forget about us selecting that winner of our raffle, too. Don't miss your chance to join Nick and I at next week's game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Only $5 per entry. And you can sign up at chicagoaudible.com slash raffle. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.